Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Here are your hosts, Julie Fudge-Smith and Colleen Pilar. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Colleen Pilar. And today, we've decided to do a continuation from our last podcast, which was on resiliency, and talking a little bit more in depth about where resiliency can help you if you happen to be having what we might call caregiver fatigue. But first, for those of you who may not have listened to our last podcast, I'm going to have Colleen talk a little bit about resiliency and and what it is so we're all on the same page. So, Colleen, tell us about resiliency. Uh, People are naturally resilient. Actually, all animals are naturally resilient. We adapt to changing circumstances and we do our best to uh, survive and mold ourselves to what's happening. The downside is our brains are really wired for survival and not for thriving. They're not wired for happiness and contentment and peace. They're wired for looking for threat and harm and danger. So that can create a lot of anxiety for us, for our pets, for any of those things. So the study of resilience is how do we move from merely surviving to truly thriving? How do we bounce back better from the the ups and downs of normal life. We all have ups and downs. That's unavoidable. But there are things that we can do specifically to get back from equilibrium and move above that. Let's go above. Right. Because we don't want people just to exist. We don't want our animals just to exist right. or, you know, to do okay. We really want them to thrive. And, and with thriving comes with uh, a necessity for resiliency to be able to take on those challenges that happen to all of us, be us canine, feline, Mm -hmm. equine, or human on a daily basis. So little things we may have, you know, the resiliency for, but how do we build resiliency? And how do we know if our resiliency is being tested? I think sometimes um, people have heard of uh, different kinds of fatigue. And I think one of the things we wanted to talk about is caregiver fatigue. Mm -hmm. And how does that work for the family dog owner? Um, to set up a scenario, I think sometimes we have owners who have dogs who are challenging, to, mm-hmm. to say the least. Some dogs much more challenging than others. There are those who, as we call the, the midnight walkers, who mm-hmm. can't walk their dog during the day, so they have to walk the dog at night. And those who perhaps have a dog who is um, shy or fearful or um has a bite history. All of these things are exhausting for owners. And I think it's that living day to day with the exhausting challenge of a dog who is challenging that can cause caregiver fatigue. So that happens, I think, to people in, you know, taking care of anybody, be Mm -hmm. it, you know, an, an animal or a person or whatever. So what are some of the symptoms that somebody might want to be aware of? that would signal to them that they had caregiver fatigue. Um, One of the biggest ones to notice is sort of an emotional distancing where, um, for example, I went to a boarding facility one day and there was a dog who had barked so much overnight that the dog was completely hoarse. And the attendants in this facility were like, oh yeah, she just talks a lot. That's an emotional distancing. 
because we were hearing sounds of distress. This dog was saying, I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem. She said it all night. (laughs) And if your emotional bandwidth is like, oh, yeah, she's just like that, that is a sign that you're kind of not resonating at the right level. So that happens with us with our household dogs sometimes, too, where um, we had a client a number of years ago whose dog didn't like to be picked up. And when the dog was picked up, by one of the trainers, it was it needed to be picked up for one specific thing, and the trainer picked the dog up, and this little dog did sort of a snarky kind of thing, rah, 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 rah. and the owner was just like, "Oh, give it a rest, Sparky," and <laughs> "Oh, give it a rest, Sparky" is definitely a sign that you're just kind of tired of this. You're tired of dealing with this. And it's not that she didn't love Sparky. It was that it was embarrassing that her dog was doing that and that everything she had tried in all these years hadn't worked. She hadn't been able to change it. Um, And that's exhausting. Yes, I think emotional distancing is is a really key factor. I think that there are other ones too. I mean, the idea of it being fatigued, Uh I think you think, remember that people are going to feel exhausted. Mm Mm-hmm. It's called fatigue for a reason because you genuinely feel fatigued. It's not just emotional fatigue. There is a physical fatigue as well. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself just really feeling drained all the time, there might be something else going on here. Um, Another one I was thinking about today when I was cogitating over this was I couldn't help but wonder if boredom wouldn't happen to be another symptom that every, it's just, I'm just so bored, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to train. I don't want to do all the things I need to do to take care of my dog. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm just bored. And I think that's maybe another type of emotional distancing, but perhaps just another word for it is boredom. It is. Negative emotions narrow and focus your attention and positive emotions broaden and build. So you get more excited by things. You're more enthusiastic. You're more likely to do cooperative activities. You're more interested in trying something new. And so when you've been shouldering the burden of caring for an animal with with significant needs, whether those are health needs or behavioral, um, you can just get to the point where you just feel like there's not enough of you right now to add things to it. And that's a real common sign of it. When you start seeing signs of of fatigue, when you start getting bored, you start getting emotionally distant. When I find the other thing is, is I always find excuses for not trying something new. (laughs) There's always always excuses that get piled one on top of the other. Well, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. But a lot of I can't, I won't, I, I, you know, just the whole idea of I, I can't even think about something new, much less try or do something right. new. So I think that getting into that negative kind of thought wave, um, and then it just spirals you down right. because things just become more, you become much more in, in, entrenched, encapsulated um, and, and stuck in this. So what is an owner to do if they're beginning to feel as though their world is shrinking in around them like that? And that they can't think of anything else to do. And this is totally exhausting. And it's taking all of my energy and all of my time. And I don't want to do this anymore. And it's not that they don't want to do it anymore. I think part of it is they really don't feel like they can do it anymore. And it's not that they don't love their dog, but they just not sure how much, how much more can I love the dog? How much more can I make this work? 
So when they start feeling things like that, what are some of the things that they might be able to do to uh, perhaps change that around or take a new look at what's going on? Well, I think if you're really at that stage, one of the very best things you can do is to talk to someone else about it because there would be a lot of shame for many people around those emotions because they do love their dog and they do care about that. But that whole feeling of like, I can't do it anymore. When you get to the spot where every solution is a yes, but like, yeah, you know, I tried that. It didn't work. I tried that. didn't work either. That that won't work for me. (laughs) Um, that's the time you really need to be thinking about what all's going on here and and sharing how you're feeling, the emotional aspects of how you're feeling with another person is really freeing if you choose the right person. You know, someone who isn't yes. going to judge you for that and is going to to hear you and to say, wow, that is really hard. Um, and what, what I've found for so many people is that once they've had the chance to say out loud that secret that they were afraid to say out loud that it's not so big anymore it's not so hard anymore and then we can start exploring ideas of of how we can move forward but when you're when you're feeling stuck you literally can't see the way out and you're probably not going to find it on your own um and and all those helpful solutions that your friends offer (laughs) aren't working because you really can't figure out how to implement them. So right. you sometimes need to be able right. to say, I'm kind of just feeling stuck and and have that conversation first. Right. And I think that you're right. That's where somebody is really sort of far down the track. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like, okay, we're starting down here. Somebody's way down the track. The first thing they need to do is to talk to somebody to legitimize their emotions, legitimize their feelings and say, I understand what you're saying, to sort of relieve that pressure a bit so that perhaps some fresh air can come in. But there's going to be things before you get to that desperation point. So what perhaps are some of the early signs that things are starting to deteriorate that people might want to pay attention to? I think the early signs are the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of engagement and connection that that had been mentioned before. And so I think in those cases, that's where you need to be looking at how can I best meet my animal's needs and how can I best meet my own needs and and take out the piece of how do I have to do both of those things. So it could be that you're hiring someone to walk your dog so that the dog can get the walk on, you know, one day a week when somebody you can trust and somebody who's reliable or whatever and your dog's physical needs are being met but you're not doing it at this stage of the game if that's too much for you. Or it could be that, you know, you're you're stuffing Kongs and you've got a million Kongs in your freezer. And so now you have something that your dog will be completely engaged in while you sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Awesome. Um, that is a short-term <laughs> strategy. That is not a, that's not a long-term strategy. Netflix is never the cure for anything. Uh, but in that moment of just like, ugh, I, I just, I can't, I can't entertain this dog right now. Well, what can I do that entertains the dog without me having to do it? Um, food right. toys are awesome for that. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I just got mm-hmm. a new food toy um, at a recent conference. And so uh, we're, you know, we're playing games where breakfast is in this kind of toy and dinner is in that kind of toy. And, the, and my dog doesn't really understand the new toy yet. So there's this whole learning experience for him that is lighting him up a little bit. And that's amusing me. So so in these mm-hmm. moments when you're thinking like, I don't have the energy to do something, sometimes you could just be the observer. 
just watch and see and change. That's right. Doesn't mean your dog doesn't have the energy to do something. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got these things prepared and, and uh, ready to go, then um, that doesn't require a whole lot from you, mm-hmm. but gives you enough of a break to say, oh, okay, this is a successful something. Yeah. This is something that I can do. And maybe I can have several of these lined up. The, um, the other thing I was going to say, of course, and something we always say is that if you are really feeling stuck with your dog and you're really feeling sort of trapped by your life, um, talking to somebody is great. But find yourself a positive reinforcement trainer mm-hmm. who will probably have some other ideas on how to move forward. Um, be able to take a look at the situation and say, I see what you're saying and you know, I can bring some fresh eyes to it. And you want to have a positive reinforcement trainer because if you're talking about a dog who's under stress or a dog who has some sort of emotional um, problem, what you don't want to do is institute any kind of punishment-based methods because that's go- that may hide or mask the problem mm-hmm. for a little while, but it's going to come out. We've talked about how it comes out sideways yeah. and it is going to come out and it's going to get worse in the long run. And you're going to end up with a, with, a, with a hot mess rather than just a mess. Right. And the, so positive- the best way of looking at it all the time is that your dog is never giving you a hard time. Your dog is having a hard time. So when you're Very good. looking at a situation and you're like, this dog is driving me crazy, what we really need to say is this dog is having a really tough time. Like, what can I do right. to make this easier? Because the dog is not sitting there thinking, I know how to make you crazy. <laughs> They're just responding to the um, to the needs of their body in this environmental condition. Um, Correct. And, and depending on, on the nature of what's going on with your dog, um, certainly talk to your vet as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. Because you, one, one of the things you also, especially if this is a recent problem, one of the things I think we talked about before when talking about behavior problems, when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I have this dog and I have this uh, problem with he doesn't like to be petted by strangers or perhaps we're having a recurrence of a house training problem or, you know, we, we've gotten, he's gotten very snarky when somebody pets him. And this is not a puppy. This is not, you know, a dog that they just got. This is, a, and, you know, how long have you had the dog? We've had the dog for six years. How long has this been a problem? Oh, about six months. My first incline Incline? How about inclination? My first inclination is to say, let's see your vet. Let's get a thorough physical done, including lab work, because there could be a thyroid problem or, or something else. Because you don't want to, you want to make sure that your dog is, is, is healthy. And, um, you know, behavior modification programs are not quick and they're not easy. So you want to make sure that that's really the path you need to go down. So certainly having a physical on your dog is, is, is uh, important. And the other thing is, is we've also talked about having, you know, the, uh, keeping a a journal. Yes. You know, if, if you are having real problems with your dog or something's arise, you know, keep a really quick and, you know, it doesn't have to be an essay, just a couple of sentences. So you can get an idea of the frequency of the problem. And if there are particular circumstances, because even if it's not a physically induced problem, like I have a really sore back and it is behaviorally induced, you're going to want to be able to figure out what those triggers are so that you can counter condition against those triggers or desensitize or figure out a way, maybe there's a way I can avoid avoid them because you're going to want to avoid them while you're counter-conditioning mm-hmm. them as much as possible. So you don't want to to 
to have the triggers come up. So journaling is, um, I think, incredibly important. And also, too, just quick notes about what you've actually done. I've talked to people and they said, well, we tried everything. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I know what everything is, mm -hmm. you know. And um, how long well, we tried, you tried it. That's yeah. right. Or, or how you did it. Well, we tried treats. Okay, good. Um, but I don't know in what context you tried treats. I don't know, you know, where they were in the behavior chain, all these kinds of things. So if you can take some notes about what you've actually done, or if you know of a particular incident that happened, that may have triggered this in your dog. That's This is all really useful information for your trainer or for your vet or your behaviorist or whoever it is that you are going for. Right. And don't, and don't rule out the first things the trainer said if you feel like you've tried it because um, there's a reason that your trainer is suggesting that. So there will be a modification in whatever you're doing um, for if it didn't work last time there's a reason it didn't work last time. And maybe the reason is you didn't try it long enough. And maybe the reason is any number of other variables. You were too close. It was the wrong food. There was too much going on. We didn't have basic skills under there. Um, it's kind of reminding me of, um, I was talking to a, a veterinary technician the other day and, and we had been doing a program on compassion fatigue. And she said, well, like if one more person says try yoga to me, I, I might become violent. <laughs> and the reality <laughs> is try yoga is, is a yoga is a great stress buster for millions of people. But one right. yoga class is not going to solve a person who's having so much chronic stress, it's not going to change her life. It will take right. like just a tiny bit of an edge off. And so if if the, if she were to say like, I tried yoga, it didn't work, that is true in her experience. But it's also that we didn't have the right dosage and the right frequency and the right level and all the other things to support that. So same thing with our behavior mod for our dogs. I tried treats and he wouldn't take them on the walk when he was barking at other dogs. Okay, then we have all sorts of variables we can play with here. Right. Not that we're right. throwing out that whole option. Right. And it could be too that that um that yeah, he took the treats and so it didn't make any difference. Well, when you give the treat is incredibly mm -hmm. important, not just what you give and how close you are, you know, in relationship to the to the trigger. So there's all kinds of things that can be tweaked and um that's one of the biggest obstacles I feel like I over I have to try and overcome with with clients sometimes is saying I hear what you're saying I hear that you've tried this and I hear that this was difficult for you or that it didn't work the way you'd like it to nonetheless I would like to revisit that mm -hmm. because I think that that's in my experience has been really effective and to try and get that person to reevaluate is is not always easy and it's especially difficult with somebody who is so fatigued. Right. And that and that goes right back to that whole negative emotion piece where they're tired. They've tried. They don't see the light at the end of the tunnel that you swear is there. Um, right. And I, I have been amazed at how much, how much effort people put into caring for their pets. Sometimes... Um, sometimes extreme levels that they don't even realize how much they're doing. Like they themselves may not perceive that they are becoming fatigued, particularly when caring for an older dog. 
you know, you are yes. always hopping up to make sure that they're adjusted okay, or always watching behind them on the stairs, or always preparing a special meal for them. And, you know, some of these things, they creep up gradually. So three years ago, you didn't do any of that. And then two years ago, you were starting to prepare the special meals. And now your life is, you're hovering around this dog all the time, preparing meals and giving pills and making sure and watching, you know, creating a journal of when they have input and output. And if you if you ask them, they say, oh, they're fine. Everything's good. It's really no trouble at all. And they don't realize how much, how much they're carrying and how much effort all of that is. And so that can creep up on you too. So it's not just yes. uh, an, an embarrassing problem or a frustrating problem. It can also be the, you know, just the, the care of an animal who needs a high level of care can be absolutely exhausting and that people don't realize how much they're doing until for whatever reason they no longer need to do that. So either the dog becomes better or the dog has died and then they go, wow, I had no idea that the last four years, right. I never went to anything after work because I always had to hurry home because of my older dog or whatever those things are. Right. But this feeling like I can't leave my house for more than yeah. you know three hours at a time. Yeah. And that can be really tiring because that, you know, that, that means you can't even probably go to a movie because mm -hmm. you have to drive to the movie theater, mm -hmm. you know, get the tickets, sit through the, the four hours of previews. Mm -hmm. Then you get to watch the hour and a half movie. Right. So you can't even do something as simple as that or going out for pizza might be a real challenge. And that can be exhausting when you feel like even those tiny little things in life that, oh, I don't really need to see this movie. And that's fine. But, you know, if you do that for five years and it creeps up on you, that can, you don't realize. Yeah. Right. And, that actually uh, just happened so yes. recently with my mom. She needed um, my mother needed daily blood thinner injections and a family friend is a nurse. And this this woman, she's a retired nurse, and she spends most of her day with her beloved little dog. And um, it got so that she was often bringing her dog with her to my mom's house <laughs> because she was worried about leaving the dog for the length of time that it would take her to go to church and then go to my mother's house and then get home. You know, that that amount of time mm -hmm. was more time than she was comfortable with leaving the dog. But schedule-wise, that really was what worked best. So adding church and this visit together. Um, and that was a dog that probably would have been totally fine being left alone that long. But that is not the case for lots of other dogs. Lots of other dogs right. who are planning events based on how long can I go and what can I do and do I need to bring the dog with me or do I need to have somebody check in on the dog? Um, and and there's, there's a part of your brain that's always thinking about it. For example, my um, youngest son is graduating from college at the beginning of next month and I'm not sure who's letting out my dog that day because the whole family <laughs> will be at the graduation and those are the people who most often let him out. And he's a little bit of a worrier. He's not going to do anything to anyone. He's just going to refuse to go out. So if I give a neighbor a key and say, come in and open the door and look friendly and suggest that he go out, he will say, no, thank you. I'll stay over here. Um, and that has a level of stress for me. Like there's a whole part of me That's right. that will be spending time at the graduation going, how quickly can you read these names? I've got a dog to get home to. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's just an incident in time. Hurry up here. So, yeah. Oh, no, I get that. I, just, 
a couple weeks ago, my grandkids were out visiting and we decided to go to New York to take them all on the train to New York and then go up the Empire, how about the Empire State Building, um, get a hot dog on the streets of New York and come home. And so I had my pet sitter sort of, she was on hold, right? I'm like, I don't know if we're going to go Tuesday. I don't know if we're going to go Wednesday. I don't know if we're going to go Thursday. Any of those days better for you? Can you do any of those days? She's like, yeah, I can do any of the days. I said, can you stay, you know, just basically on hold until I tell you what day? And we decided to go on Tuesday. So, you know, I, I call her and I set everything out and I put the money out and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the, the big book of Zuzu. Um, so in case <laughs> something happens, right, we head up we, and I realize we're heading back on the train. We're going to get back about the same time she's going to come see the dog. So I text her really quick and say, you know, I'm, you know, you don't need to come if you don't want to. But it was like everybody else was like making plans about, you know, hot dogs and things. And I am going well, you know, do I call Christina now? Do I wait? I mean, just, if you don't do it, you don't understand the level of involvement in somebody who has to do all that care. Right. And you know, so that wasn't that big a deal, but I understood exactly what you were saying because, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, is Zuzu, is Zuzu going to be okay alone? Do I need to get somebody to come in? Do I need, you know, and, and, you know, she's a perfectly healthy, normal dog. She doesn't have any, any issues per se. So even with a normal dog, there's a certain level of, of stress and fatigue that mm-hmm. goes with caring for a dog that doesn't have issues. Yeah. If you don't have a dog that does have issues, your chances of developing some fatigue, I think, really go mm-hmm. up. And you need to be aware of that so that once you begin to maybe not even resent, but you're tired and you're fatigued and you don't want to do this and you're making excuses and you're trying to find ways to get out of things those might be little signals that you need to say, hey, I think I need some help here. Yeah. And a professional uh, trainer is an awesome person to talk to about that because right. a good one won't judge you for that and will offer a whole variety of solutions where you can explore. Like this will work for me in my, my household and that won't work for me in my household and tweaking. But they will likely give you a little bit of pushback on some of the things that you rule out right out of hand. You know, so, so like you said, mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, I tried food and you're like, I would really like to revisit that. It's very likely that your good trainer is going to do that with you too, but they will modify the plans to make sure that they work with you um, using the best techniques possible to support right. you and your dog to just figure out the ways to make it just a little bit easier. Right. Because, you know, we, we want you to thrive as well as your dog. Yeah. We want you to, in, in, to love living with dogs as much as we do. That's the goal. And that is the goal. And that is, that may mean that you need to get a little bit of help for you mm-hmm. to learn how to more effectively manage a dog with special needs. So, All right. Well, thanks, Colleen. We'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Colleen and Julie would love to hear them. Call 614-349-1661 or visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode of Your Family Dog, or you've enjoyed other episodes, we would really appreciate it if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. That way, we'll be able to reach more people who love living with dogs just like we do. Thanks.